I'm Anna Horford, and you're listening to the Celtics Life Podcast. Welcome, everybody, inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man, Justin Quinn. What's up, Justin? How's it going? Today, it's going, it's going great today. Well, today is actually a very special day for us Celtics fans. It is February 11th, 2018, Paul Pierce Day. We're recording this on a Sunday morning here, so the the, uh, the big celebration comes later today after the uh, Cavs game, or perhaps throughout the Cavs game, um, as Paul would like. But um, the... Uh, yeah, so um, big day for the Celtics. I mean, a long time coming. Pierce's jersey retiring. I mean, he's only been out of the league for a year, but uh, this is something we saw coming a long time ago. Who? I've never heard of the guy. <laughs> Paul Pierce, the truth, the captain, and the truth. So we'll, we'll get into our thoughts on the, the Paul Pierce tribute, uh, maybe some predictions of what might happen later today, a little later on. But uh, tons of news around the NBA right now. Uh, the trade deadline was banana land this year. Wash bombs galore, and maybe one of the biggest ones of the whole thing. Our boy IT already shipped out of uh, Cleveland after what 15 games, and uh, uh, he's off to LA. Had his debut last night. Um, 22 and six in his first game for the for the Lakers. I love it. Uh, not that I love that he did well for the Lakers, but it's kind of fun. anytime the Cavs get egg on their face, uh, always good. We'll see if it lasts. I mean, he started pretty good with the Cavs too, and you know we saw. What happened? The whole train came off the tracks there. Uh, thoughts, Justin? What do you think? IT in LA? Well, you definitely put your finger on this is the weird, weirdest situation I can remember being. Like, the last time I remember being in this situation was when Rick Fox wanted to go to the Lakers. Isaiah Thomas in a Lakers uniform. I now feel like I can officially hate on Isaiah Thomas, at least in uniform. <laughs> I, I, I still feel really bad about, you know, what ended up happening to him. I, I don't know how I feel. I'm still kind of processing the whole Napoleon complex kind of like is how it's striking me now. Like at first I was just, you know, kind of taking it as saltiness and saltiness is understandable, but, you know, maybe I don't, I don't want to go too far into the weeds with trying to figure out what was going on in his head, but I'm glad to see that he is, is doing well, at least in a vacuum. You know, he said he got his powers back after that game with the Lakers. His powers back. <laughs> and there, there's a bunch of drama about him, whether he's going to start or not. You know, Ramona mm-hmm. Shelburne got a text from his agent, all capital letters, basically saying that he was not going to start or excuse me, to come off the bench for, for the Lakers. And, you know, he, they were saying he's going to come off the bench for the Lakers. So who knows what's going to go on with that? Maybe he's going to be a buyout candidate if, if it doesn't go as planned, if he keeps rolling with the same attitude. But I kind of think that he's not going to. I kind of think that that was just immediate posturing and he's going to keep coming off the bench. And then maybe he should come off the bench for them because he really needs to reestablish his value and, and you know, becoming a locker room cancer everywhere you go after, you know, yeah, no. there, there's a limit to how understanding people are going to be for what happened to him. Right. And and I think totally like people can, could at this point anyways, I, I, I hated the move with the, with the agent doing that because I think it's, you know, that then you're, you're creating, oh, maybe he was really the cancer over there. I mean, he could totally jump on this as like, he was like the, the victim of not being uh, given a chance to succeed in, in Cleveland or not being a great fit. And then, but then when you come in here and you haven't even played a game and you're already, already like whining about things, I, I think that's a terrible look. So, um, you know, uh, not, I, I'm with you on that. I think he should just 
shut up and ball. And and like he did last night, he looked great coming off the bench. That's a role that he's definitely um, excels at. I mean, I between us, really, honestly, the probably the the best role for Isaiah is to be like the super sub scorer off the bench, a la like a Jamal Crawford, right? I mean, on a contending team. Don't you think that's probably his greatest role? Until we see him get that mobility and explosion back that made his first step yeah. so lethal, mm-hmm. it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be that for him because he, he just he, he's such a defensive liability now, particularly on teams that don't have the kind of defensive reputation that we do. Right. So, yeah, I it's a big mess. But speaking of big messes, Cleveland – Basically, I don't, I don't know what is going on over there. That's so crazy deadline for them. Mm-hmm. Well, so we got so here's the thing: we they shipped out six guys, right? Bring in, they brought in Rodney Hood, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. Kind of like a youth movement, minus George Hill, obviously a little older, but you know, uh, an injection of youth and athleticism, I guess. Um, they got some of the old bodies out of there in in Rose and um, D Wade. Um, Crowder, who was just, I'm not, he was having a terrible season there, right? and I don't really know what's up with him, but um, they got IT out of there. I mean, it seems like they, they wanted to clear their defensive liabilities, and then they brought in a bunch of guys who don't really play defense, so, <laughs> but um, obviously, so, I mean, you know, whatever, they're younger, they're more athletic, maybe that helps. Um, we're, we're certainly going to get the first look at that today, which is pretty awesome. Um, uh, they're playing the Celtics. Um and all those guys should be in, in Boston for the game. Debut. Um, yeah. Um, so you've got some interesting thoughts on this because we've talked about this going back to last year. You, you know, had you know, thought that the Cavs were preparing themselves or should be preparing themselves anyways for um, LeBron's departure, and you thought that that's the route that they would go. What does this deal do in terms of the Cavs' like, future? I mean, immediate future, we understand, you know, they are a little younger and maybe it helps a little bit, but... How about, you know, going forward after that? Well, we were talking before we went on air, and I was actually talking about how this might have put a hole in my theory that Dan Gilbert has been planning this whole time for a post-LeBron era. And, you know, it certainly does look like they have some good tools in Clarkson and Nance. Clarkson, not, not easy, you know, he's kind of overrated, but he's a good scorer. I think he should be... You know, in same, the same kind of role we were outlining for Isaiah Thomas, Larry Nance has a lot of potential. Hood, it's really hard to say, you know, when he's healthy. He's, he's got some real shades of Avery Bradley, but in the other direction. He's a really capable guard wing guy. But instead of, you know, as Avery Bradley was super great on – defense and had to kind of learn offense it's kind of the inversion of of Rodney Hood and that Hood is good for some really good offense you know off the bench he could even start on some some crappier teams he might even see some starting minutes on this team George Hill is the point of contention that actually made me change my mind back the other direction because for a financial situation the first move really looked like my theory made sense because by moving Isaiah Thomas with, with Channing Fry, Channing Fry with, um, Channing Fry. Okay, good. <laughs> by, by moving Channing Fry and Isaiah Thomas to the Lakers, what that did was it lowered their tax bill from about 43 million on top of payroll to about 41 million. So it really seemed like the writing was on the wall and, you know, whoever you want to think is in charge, Kobe Altman 
or Gilbert himself, you know, maybe there's a little bit of both going on. It, it wasn't a move to lower a massive tax bill, one of the big, potentially biggest ever, to something slightly more manageable. But then I did the second move, mm -hmm. and that second move pushed the bill back up to $50 million this season, and that is not even counting future seasons. So at first I was like, well, why? if it's going to cost them more money, then why – how does that make sense in terms of like trying to clear the books up, trying to get younger and you know, they did get younger with some of the other pieces that came along in that move, but mm -hmm. $50 million is not a way to reduce your luxury tax. It's actually a substantial, you know, 7 million bucks uh, from on top of where they were. That seems like kind of a lot of money. And like you notice, this is not a very good defensive team. So I think they're going to be really good now, as long as the, the chemistry clicks against teams that are, you know, kind of on the same level and don't have a really big point differential. But teams like Toronto, teams like Golden State, teams like Houston, I don't think this, this squad has any chance against them, not even against Toronto, to be completely honest. They just don't no. have the defense. They're going to get roasted first and second <clears throat> unit. Mm -hmm. So just trying to figure out what was going on here. In our conversation, the realization that Hood is, has two more years in the $20 million range beyond... Yeah, you mean George, George Hill. Hill. Um, yep. That says to me that they're really hoping that LeBron does leave because if not, they're going to be paying luxury repeater taxes for at least the next two years after that. And I don't see how they're going to beat anybody who's likely to be competing for a championship in that, that time frame. So, yeah, I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, this is not the slam dunk that some of the pundits out there have been saying that it is. And it, to me, it's an even clearer indication that LeBron is out of here after the season. Yeah, like they've almost made it like like uh, uh, there's the door. <laughs> because it's not like they can well, – what's their – without LeBron. So say, you know, obviously end of the season, LeBron's a free agent, right? Um, Hood technically comes off the books. I mean, they, they can re-sign him if they choose, right? George Hill signed through next year. What – what is their cap situation? Like, what number are they going to be at without LeBron, without Hood, um, you know, without re-signing anybody that's expiring? Do you do you know, like, roundabout? If they don't re-sign Hood, then they have a good chance to get back under the tax, which is really good for getting out of repeater. And they yeah. can probably stay that way for a while. They could also move some guys. You know, there, there's no reason to keep Smith around anymore if they're right. there. Mm -hmm. and they, can, they can probably deal him into space to a crappy team that could, you know, use a little bit of shooting and whatnot. So Tristan Thompson be a little more difficult to get rid of, I think. <laughs> I think so, but, I mean, he's not – he's not a terrible player and people are going to be less concerned with what people are making for some time. I think like people are going to have a really hard time evaluating contracts until two or three years from now. Because all the, all the bloated deals. Yeah. From the, yeah. Yeah. And now in the reverse of it, it's going to be further money <clears throat> because we're going to have people who should be making closer to league average, which is around 15 million per year right now. Those people like there's, there's people who should be, making 15 to 20 million who are going to be lucky if they can get a mid-level exception non-taxpayer or excuse me, a taxpayer uh, mid-level exception of, a, of I think it's going to be 8.8 .8 next season. So <coughs> Marcus smart. Exactly. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, we're going to have to like 
think about valuing players less than valuing cap space for at least the short term. It's going to be a complicated way to look at things, and I'm kind of training myself to do that on the fly. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a big part of the reason why the trade deadline was as weird as it was while also being active. You know, most of the things that were taking place were to address not just comp- competitive moves, because there was a, a good deal of that, but mm-hmm. unlike, unlike over the summer where a lot of, you know, all-stars changed teams, this one didn't see any real top-tier talent move, this deadline just because most of what people were trying to do was clear cap for next summer and right maneuvering yeah and, and just kind of sort out the mess which is mm-hmm. this leads us to really what else is going on with boston or what didn't go on with boston right you know boston didn't make any moves and that's really because first round picks are what people need at this point in time to get off of salary to make deals that need to happen that means with a lot of a lot of teams <coughs> Memphis, ah, <you> know, <laughs> making making decisions that they uh, are going to regret. Frankly, there's going to be a lot of really good players joining the buyout market probably in the next couple of weeks, but definitely by the first of March, which is the last day that teams can get onto a playoff team for the coming year. Yeah. So, and the the, um, the deadline for guys' additions. I know it's the beginning of March, right? Is it March first? March first. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, obviously, that's that stuff's gonna go. We already seen um, Marco Bellinelli and um, and um, yeah, yes, the uh, uh, ISO Joe there both got um, bought out and have already both at least made plans to sign with whatever team they were. I don't know if either one of those is official, but, um, um, Johnson you know, and, those were Johnson two. and also you forgot Brandon Wright are both going to Houston. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. But I mean, so those guys were potential, at least the first two potential Celtics targets, mm-hmm. right. Um, to add some bench scoring. Um, now the, the market's thinned out a little bit. We still don't know what's going to happen with Evans. My guess is they're not going to buy him out because, why wouldn't they have just taken a second round pick or whatever was offered to them if, you know, if they were really, you know, it, it, it kind of like egg on their face if they just buy them out and get nothing for them now, no? Yeah, and the situation there is actually, <clears throat> it's very similar to the situation that Boston will be looking at this summer with Greg Monroe, which I guess you, mm-hmm. you can kind of count him as a deadline move or not really. He was really kind of the first big maybe arguably the biggest buyout candidate that we're going to see this summer or excuse me, this, this uh, spring, I guess it's almost spring. Yep. Anyway. So the situation that Greg Monroe is in for the Celtics is kind of actually very similar to the situation that we're looking at with Marcus Smart in that we can resign him, but there's limits on how we can resign him. Now Tyreek and Monroe are both, because we don't have bird rights for Monroe and they don't have bird rights for Tyreek, they mm-hmm. are basically looking at a situation where they can resign him for 120% of whatever salary they are on this year. Now, in the case of Monroe, that might actually work out because $5 million now means $6 million this summer. 
And there is a mm-hmm. chance, particularly if he doesn't do so great, which, you know, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to get enough attention where he'll probably be able to earn more than that. But right. in the case of both Tyreek and Monroe and Smart, there's only, you know, seven teams now and maybe as many as ten teams that could get above around the, the limit of what the, the mid-level exception is, just a hair under $9 million. With with With... A fair amount of free agents out there, like three or four top-tier guys who could change teams. Even if they don't, there's still five to seven guys, I think, that are ahead of all of these guys. Right. And there's going to be a number of teams paying the tax that will offer the mid-level exception, in which case, teams without bird rights on a player on their roster like Tyreek, like Monroe, can go ahead and offer up to the mid-level exception. So if, if people want to bid more than the mid-level exception – then we could end up both teams, Memphis and Boston, could lose those guys. I don't think that's going to happen in the case of Monroe. There is, I think, a slightly greater chance that someone might try to do that for Tyreek. I think he's, just based on his scoring ability, one of the more likely candidates for something like that to happen. Yeah, so, I mean, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, – it's interesting. I, I, it's uh, it, a, a lot of these guys are just – kind of wrong time to become free agents with the the lack of money around given the the boom we've had the last couple of years and uh you know i guess i could that could definitely work in our favor unfortunately for marcus smart maybe maybe not in his favor um so uh, as far as smart goes you you think there's a good chance that he's still here next year i think there's a very good chance that he's here next year just because like we've been saying Someone's got to be willing to mm-hmm. to really dig deep to buy. I mean, you know, a sign and trade can always happen. Sure, sign and trades can move anybody from anywhere. But the team, the team who's going to be doing the sign and trade is going to want an asset for for you know basically helping someone take pillage the roster. So, if we didn't see a first round pick move for Marcus, then are we going to see one move for him later? I don't think so. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Um, it's interesting too. I, I really look back, you know, you looked back before the season, um, and Danny and smarts camp were trying to get a, a long-term deal done. And I'm curious as to what, um, what numbers, I, I don't remember the numbers ever coming out. I know that smart wanted, um, you know, something 15 million or, or more. Uh, whereas, I, I mean, I imagine Danny was probably somewhere around the eight to 10 range that you've been saying all along. I've heard nine and I've heard twelve floated as figures. I think both are reasonable. Yeah, so that that makes sense. And uh, they didn't meet in the middle, and uh, yeah, that may work to Marcus's uh, disadvantage here. <laughs> so, um, but hey, well, we'll, we'll see. I, I do think this though. This, the, so, given the you know the Celtics added Monroe um, just before the deadline, and um, you know people people talking about the scoring and and the, the problem with the bench, I, I really think. To, to me, I'm, I'm glad they didn't go out and, like, you know, break up anything for... I mean, a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans for three months is crazy to me. Uh, and I, I think that um, they did the right thing, standing pat. Uh, I think the offense... I mean, I would much rather see Terry Rozier continue to develop, um, you know, because whose minutes would have been going here, you know, yeah, with Tyreek? That's, that's, that's actually... Okay, so one thing that we have to keep in mind, too, is anybody else that we think about taking on in the buyout market, we have to factor in the fact that, like, as you noted, it's going to take away playing time. But it's also going to take away a roster space. Right. You know, so is the person we're going to be bringing on 
better than either Yabusele or Nader, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. would be the two most likely guys to end up being waived or traded out. Right. Maybe you can make a case for Larkin, but he can produce on a much more reliable and useful level than either of those two guys. And having that point guard, too, at the end, you know, like the... Yeah. Uh, I suppose if it was Tyreek, that it's possible, I mean, because he's a ball handler to some degree, you know, a former point guard anyways, that... Larkin could have, but I, I mean, we've seen how thin we've gotten at point guard. We, I mean, we had a game where Terry Rozier was the only point guard on the roster. So yeah. um, we had Al Horford bringing the ball up. Um, so I, I think Larkin's kind of proven himself at least uh, a solid commodity there at the end of the bench, right? Absolutely. It's 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 not like they're going to, we get to the playoffs. You can count on that guy to come in and, and be your, you know, uh, point guard for this X amount of time. Whereas I don't think you're going to be throwing Nader out there to do anything. So... Uh, you know, he actually had a role. And the, the thing to keep in mind also on top of that is the fact that anybody we trade away, not only are they unlikely... Okay, so anyone we, we move to take on, like a Bellinelli, for example, or even a Tyreek Evans, we also have to ask ourselves, is a one, not even one season, a 20% of a season plus playoffs rental worth what we might be getting out of these younger players on rookie deals in years where we... For, and they're signed for like three, four years, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Both both Yabu and uh, Nader are signed for the next three seasons, right? Exactly. So if we lose those guys and we are in a massive cap crunch with the rest of the league, and we're going to be, we know we're, we're better positioned than most of the teams in the league, but we're still going to feel that lack of cap growth that's being projected now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really difficult to prioritize whether or not these guys are going to be worth it. And frankly speaking, I think somebody somebody like Tyreek Evans or maybe maybe the very lowest thing, and I think I said this to you yesterday, uh, somebody like Vince Carter, you know, that would probably be the very lowest of low bars of anyone that we would seriously consider. Someone who can put at least 20 points on the board in a given night. If they were, mm-hmm. if they really were being called on to do that, if it was their night up to be that person, and frankly, only those two, Tyreek Evans and uh, Vince Carter, are the only names that I've heard even being mentioned as potential buyout candidates right now. That doesn't mean they're not going to shake out. Like I said, this is being viewed for cap reasons as as a season where some surprising names might appear on the market because of cap constraint issues, but for now with a potentiality that Gordon Hayward might be that scoring answer that we need, even, even mm-hmm. off the bench. It, it's just, I think that making no moves and being very, very careful about the moves that are made, if any are made, is exactly, is exactly mm-hmm. what we want to be seeing. Right. I think the, the biggest flub, and I'm, I don't want to say flub, but perhaps the, the, the biggest mis, misstep, I guess, I guess you would say, is um, I, I think using that last roster spot you know a month ago and or it was over a month ago now um and bringing in Gerald Green would have been a great move he would have been that scorer off the bench for us so if there's anything and I understand Danny was waiting for the deadline and you know seeing all this stuff go down I mean we still had that spot from Monroe so we didn't have to lose anybody but I, I really would feel better about having Gerald Green um we saw what he can do not playing for weeks and then coming in and and doing what he did last year in the playoffs so uh, it's kind of unfortunate. Somebody that's already in the system would have been, 
I think, the ideal addition rather than somebody like Tyreek or something. He knows the system. He is showing that he can still, you know, drop 15, 18, 20 points on a night when he's yeah. called up. You know, and the only playing time he's getting is is when, you know, Chris Paul or Eric Gordon are injured for Houston, which is, you know, admittedly, between the two of them, getting him a game or two a week lately. But right. still, you know, a guy like that could have been absolutely perfect for what we need. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. But, Eric, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, he was waiting for the deadline to see what happened. And, uh, you know, Houston came in and, and swept him up. A, I think it was in late December, right? But, um Either way, that's, uh, you know, can't dwell on the past there. But the, um, uh, you know, for all that, today is Paul Pierce Day, right? The day we're retiring number 34 in the rafters. I saw a cool video this morning on uh, on Twitter from the Celtics uh, with the guy who does the uh, embroidery on the uh, banners there. It was pretty cool. Um, really? If anybody should should check that out. Yeah, it's like he was, he was adding the uh, 34 to the banner. Uh, it was kind of a little behind-the-scenes thing. It was pretty cool. But... As far as Paul Pierce Day goes, um, you know, we've heard a lot about it because of uh, it, it became an issue with, the, you know, the whole IT thing. We don't have to worry about that anymore. There's not going to be anybody else's tribute video played today. Um, or this but, season. Well, what, what do you think? What do you think they got in store for today? I mean, you guys will probably be listening to this tomorrow or, the, you know, after the celebration, obviously, because uh, it's, it's only a couple hours from now. But um, what, what do you think, Justin? What, what do you any any uh, I, I have an interesting thing, but I want to see what you uh what you think of uh, what they have in planned. Well, I mean, clearly we're going to get a video tribute, but more than sure. anything, I really want I really want to see a speech. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, I think they're, they're having like a ceremony. The ceremony is like well after the game, right? So it's at like 6.30, isn't it? So the game's at 3.30 and then ceremony's at 6.30? I believe so. So I, I imagine he comes out and does... You, you, you're talking you want him to give a speech during the game or before the game? I want to see him give a speech during the game, but I also want a speech from Tony Batie. Tony Batie. Because none of this is possible without him. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Jesus. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Tony Batie is the one that was with Pierce when he got uh, attacked in that nightclub in Boston and uh, carried him out of there, right? Yep. Drove yeah, him to so. the hospital while he was bleeding almost to death in the back of the car or truck. Yeah. Just another reason why Tony Batie was one of my favorite Celtics. I mean, I came into, I mean, I watched basketball my whole life, but that around that time was right around when I really got invested in, in the Celtics anyways. And uh, that Celtics team, you know, Kenny Anderson, Tony Batie, Pierce, Antoine Walker, I mean, uh, Eric Williams. That's my first memories of, of like vivid memories of, of, you know, the C's, you know. And uh, so that was that it, it, it'll be cool to see. And this is where I wanted to get into before. I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of ex Celtics at the game, right? A lot mm-hmm. of those guys I just mentioned, um, Pierce, uh, I mean, uh, Ray Allen and KG probably will be there. Maybe this is the way to finally, uh, and, uh, I mean, we we know that those guys have already worked out their problems, which is why I think Ray will probably be there today. Maybe it's a chance for the crowd to, you know, Celtics fans to kind of forgive and forget too, right? I'll be surprised if they ever forget Ray. And, you know, I want to see them be able to get along. But as a massive UConn homer, if you're mm -hmm. listening and you still harbor Ray, you know, resentment for what he did, it's understandable. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to get into it too too deep, but for for me, Ray Ray the basketball player, I'm at peace with Ray the person. You know, other issues completely unrelated 
that I already want to talk about. I diminished him a bit in my eyes, and it's it's kind of sad, but to, to be able to see these guys in one place again, that would be very, very nice. I will tell you who I do not want to see at this ceremony. Uh-oh. The guy who drafted him. Oh, Rick Pitino? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, can, I can assure you he will not be there. I can assure you of that. I, I will be interested to see if what if – if Allen is there, and I imagine he will be, what kind of reaction he'll get and, and how much they'll, you know, show off his presence. I mean, throw him on the Jumbotron or, or whatever. But the interesting thing, and I don't remember who it was this morning. I was reading Twitter. It was one of the Celtics beat guys or somebody, and my apologies. I don't know who it was, mentioned that there's the potential for the Celtics' big three, second big three era there, so their whole starting five to be there because Perkins is um, – uh, supposedly supposed to be signing with Cleveland. I mean, uh, we had the uh, he posted that he was I the other day, that. and then he that's took it so down. Weird. So, so you know, and maybe that's just a roster thing. They're waiting for the new guys to come in, and you know, I mean, he's been playing for the Canton Charge yep. this season uh, in the D League. So, I mean, he's he's ready. He's in basketball mode. I mean, and all lights are looking like he's going to sign with Cleveland at some point. Do um, they do have the roster spot? And um, and the other note is that Rajon Rondo was in Brooklyn last night, where the Pelicans game. Um, so there's the potentiality, you know, it's not that far down the road there. I mean, they play tomorrow in Detroit. I don't know if you would see someone from another team. I don't know how the Pelicans would feel about that, but interesting that he's in the area and, you know, possibility we could see those five guys at the ceremony, if not at the, you know, some point during the game. I mean, from a marketing perspective, it only burnishes their own credibility for having that guy on their team now. So if I were their general manager or coach or whoever you know makes a final decision on people flying with the team or not, mm-hmm. I would be like, yay, Rajon, if you want to you know, catch your own flight to Detroit yeah. so you can make a ceremony, go right ahead. Yeah, I mean it's off day, and you know Brooklyn to Boston is not exactly uh, you know uh, th- that would be really cool. I would love to see that, um, but you know we'll see. And uh, you know um, I, I'm 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 excited for the whole thing though. I think I think it's gonna be great. As as we heard Pierce allude to, he wants to, he wanted it to be like uh, like what the Lakers did for Kobe Bryant. You know during the game, a lot of during timeouts, videos, all kinds of stuff. And we know there's so many Pierce memories that they can show. Um, you know, I went, I went to the game when Pierce and KG first came back with Brooklyn the first time. And uh, let me tell you, it was a little dusty in that building there. You know, I'm not one to get emotional at sporting events, but Paul Pierce, I grew up watching that guy. So it's, you know, uh, it's going to be, I imagine, a lot more of that tonight, you know. So um, it will be interesting to see how the, the, the players on the floor react, you know, because, you know, here we are, Celtics. Uh, they lost two of three this week. Yeah, so, you know, a bit of a tailspin there. We were without Irving, and then he came back, and, you know, we got trashed by Toronto earlier this week. Um, we, we almost lost all three games if we hadn't won the overtime game there with, uh, with Washington. How can you um, imagine? So imagine coming into this on an 0-3 skid, you know. Yeah. Um, we almost got drubbed out by the Indiana. Somehow they made a game out of that after being down 26, but the comeback fell short. Um, but the... Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the players actually respond. With all this going on, you know the crowd's going to be cheering, cheering thank you, Paul Pierce, all night and all this and that. And, um, you know, uh, it's going to be pretty wild. I'm curious to see where they have Pierce. Is he going to be up in the booth or is he going to be sitting, like, courtside on the bench? 
I, I think they should have him on the bench. I don't know if there's rules against that. But. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Um, but, hey, we'll see. I mean, another thing, too, is, I mean, he was never a Brad Stevens guy, so... Um, you know, I don't who, who knows how. Obviously, Stevens appreciates Celtics traditions and everything, so I'm sure he wouldn't be opposed to something like that. But you know, it's I don't know. It's gonna be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the only other game this week is the Wednesday game on the 14th versus the Clippers at home, and you know, it would don't don't beat me up here, but it wouldn't surprise me if we drop both of them. Yeah, if we drop both games. Yep. Oof, I don't know. I, see, I, today, I feel like it's going to be... That's, Cleveland's coming into a, a very difficult game here. They're, they have, you know, half of their team is brand new. Um, you know, I don't... I, I mean, don't you think it's going to take them a little time to work out the kinks with a new uh, lineup? Yes, it, but... Okay, so here's, but. here's the thing. Okay. All those new players are really going to want to prove that they belong on a team with LeBron James. LeBron, mm-hmm. LeBron James shows up historically really, really hard in full force when a certain guy is on the other team, no matter if it's a completely garbage game. Mm-hmm. And granted, he's not in uniform and he's not going to be playing, but he might as well be. Right. That guy being Paul Pierce. Right. These these two, uh, uh, a storied rivalry for sure. So so we might actually see, you know. Him try to spoil Paul Pierce Day. Is that what you're saying, Justin? Yes, I am. I really hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> I am not trying to make it happen, obviously. No, no, no. But. You know he's going to be playing his ass off. You're right. And I, I, Interesting point, too, what you say with the other guys. Like, because they're kind of auditioning. Like, hey, LeBron, like, I'm really good. Like, uh, you know, this is, um, you know, th- this is their. Their their uh, first first de- debut for their uh, you know their uh, the the coach GM yeah. LeBron James over there yeah. um, you know well no but I mean seriously it, it's gonna it's gonna go a long way probably this first audition for them to see you know how big of a role each of these guys is gonna have with the team at least in the, in their eyes yep. so I, I fully expect them to come super super hard as if this was a playoff game in the finals mm-hmm. and. You know, it's going to make for an interesting game. I will say that much. But apart yeah. from that, well, and it, the the Clippers game, they have been playing pretty well recently too, and integrating their new pieces has clicked fairly well. <coughs> and I imagine that you know, extending Lou Will and making him feel like he's a valued guy is just going to keep him. You know, a part of the future. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Really, really hard. And you know, if we do lose the first game, if we if we if we beat Cleveland, then I think we're gonna we're gonna thrash the Clippers. But if if we mm-hmm. if we you know that that whole lingering body languagey kind of going into the All Star game, I really want my time off, kind of a thing. I, I could see it. Yeah, I yeah. Could see it go that way also. Well, and, and and we've got a bunch of guys going to the All Star game, whereas the Clippers don't have anybody. So. Um, you know, All Star Weekend. Uh, you know, maybe our guys are already checked out come Wednesday. I, I hope that's not the case. But I, I will say this: the one thing that I, I'm glad that game's not in LA. It's at home. These guys are getting a nice break from you know having these last few home games, and then uh, all that time, especially the guys that don't have to go out to the All Star game, they're getting like a nice solid um, stretch at home where they can you know um, you know uh, recharge, so to speak. I think Monroe is going to start to get a handle on how to play as a self. They've been kind of trying to use him. Mm-hmm. I think the first game they tried to really 
play him the way he likes to be played. They tried to force it into him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little and, bit early, right. I mean, it worked to limited. You know, the spin moves in the post were just a beautiful thing to see because I have not seen that, you know, basically since freaking right. McHale was playing for right. the Celtics. So, you know, I do think that he has a way to be used, but I think that actually he is going to be better paired with uh, Horford and that their their passing ability is used so that way with, with a couple of good shooters around. And by doing that, you can then create, you know, continue. Because a lot of people don't realize that Greg Monroe is a very good passer for a big man. And, you know, probably a top 10 passer, not quite on the level of like a Jokic or Al Horford, for example. But if you put him in mm-hmm. with Al Horford and you have – you know, kind of instead of a five-out system the way we've been running, but, you know, if only you're using him in the second unit and have Al be the transition guy, you can then kind of have, like, a a four-out system with really good passing in the front court where you don't necessarily have to have Kyrie, you know, floor marshalling, and Marcus Smart is probably not a guy you want to have on the floor at the same time as both of those guys, so maybe you see some kind of shuffling with how Marcus Smart is used, but... I think a little experimentation mm-hmm. and they'll be able to use his passing abilities in conjunction with his post abilities. I just don't think we're going to see it for a couple more games. It's going to take a little time to work out. Yeah. And he's already noted that he's excited about the offense because of all the movement off the ball, uh, the cutting and, uh, and, and he said that he thinks he's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be an ideal fit for him because of, because of, like you said, the passing and, and whatnot. So I mean, he's a great screen setter too. So um, he's. I, I think. I think that Brad will definitely find the way to showcase him. So, um, guys, uh, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We got a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in the store. You can get tickets to the next game under that same heading. You can find our pod on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most podcatcher apps. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. And if you don't like something or have a suggestion, Make sure you let us know in the comments of any Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPod. We're always trying to bring you guys the coverage you want the way you like it. Justin, you got anything else to add today? Well, we've got the re-release of the Paul Pierce tribute pod that y'all should be checking out. And we're going to have a ton, a ton Mm. of tear-jerking, nostalgic content related to Paul's career up on the site. We already got some up. There'll be more. So keep an eye out for that, as well as our usual coverage. And, um, yeah, I guess we're out of here. Awesome. Hey, guys, I hope everybody enjoyed Paul Pierce Day. And like Justin said, stay tuned with all the coverage that we'll have, all of it on the site for you guys. Um, And we'll get back with you guys next week during All-Star Weekend. And from myself and Justin, we'll check you guys later.